much time left. Oh, shh, shh. and in the, uh, I really don't like this translation. A <sighs> uh, meeting with an hour I'll never get back. You know what's an hour well spent? What's that? Coming to church. You should come check it out. It's awesome. Nah, not really my thing. Come on. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. Still thinking about it? thinking about it? Get out of my car! church. You are my people, the non-idolatry Seahawk free zone. I love you guys. Or actually, you just have DVR, right? That's how it works. Awesome. Glad that you're here. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. We're starting a brand new series called The Conversation. We all have conversations that we're not crazy about having. So very often we avoid them. It's the awkward conversation about sex that you have to have with your 11 or 12 year old son or daughter, but you just don't. Because any conversation involving them and anatomically correct body part language just doesn't go together and so you stay away from it. It's the awkward conversation you have to have with your employee when it's your job to tell them that their services are no longer required with your company. You avoid the conversation, you lay awake at night practicing and then you dread it because let's just face it, having that conversation is awkward. It's the awkward conversation you have to have with your boyfriend or girlfriend when you try to express to them that you just need some space in, rela in the relationship and you end up with those awkward phrases like, it's complicated. And you know that you need to have it, but you don't, so you just avoid it. It's the conversation happening in your workplace lunchroom where politics and faith and opinion collide and then somebody throws a bomb in the middle of the room and they look at you and say, hey, you go to church, what do you think? 
And you start to sweat. And your life flashes before your eyes. And then your professional life flashes before your eyes. Because it's just plain awkward. It's that moment when somebody asks you about your faith in Jesus. And you've got a choice to make. To speak or not to speak. To engage the conversation or be silent. And as you sit there in that awkward moment, you start asking questions in your mind. Should I preach? Do I need a sign and a bullhorn to do this right? Where is my pastor when I need him? And the biggest question of all, why did God ask me to do this? Why do I have to engage in these conversations? Why didn't he pick somebody else? Why do I feel so unprepared? We've all seen the good and the bad of the conversation. We've all seen or been that, that dedicated follower of Jesus that tries so desperately to bring Jesus into a conversation and then it goes wrong and so we swear to ourselves, I'm just never ever going to do that again. Or we've been the subject of the angry street guy who screams at us, you're a sinner, you need to repent. And we wonder to ourselves, what made him so angry and why or how or does that actually work? We come to church and we hear stories. The pastor gets up in front of us and says, yeah, it was an amazing week. I was sitting on an airplane reading my Bible and the person leaned over next to me and said, hey I'm, hey, I'm a seeker of truth and I noticed that beautiful leather brown book in front of you and I was wondering, would you share the truth of that particular book with me in this moment? And we lead them to Christ in that moment and then the person on the other side also leans in and says, I too am a seeker of truth and I noticed that you were reading a Bible and I was wondering, would you share that truth with me? And they go on to explain the story and as the story gets bigger and bigger, by the time they're done, the two people on either side have accepted Christ and the flight attendant, the pilot, the visiting rugby team from Australia, six baggage handlers and seven Starbucks employees have all had a mini revival on the plane and that all happened before 10 a.m. <laughs> and we hear that and we go like, I know I should be excited, but that's just not how it works for me. And somehow I feel like I'm letting Jesus down because I've never done anything like that. Over the next week, we're going to talk about the conversation conversation that we know we should have, but probably won't have, but sure would like to have somewhere in our life. There was a recent study done of the greatest desire, the greatest unrealized desire of Christians. And the number one desire by people that was unrealized was to actually have an influential role or to be a part of a conversation that ended up with somebody else coming to Jesus too. Most of us desperately would love to participate in that. We just don't have a clue how or can't see an opportunity when it's right in front of us. That's what we're going to be talking about. Now, some of you are here and you're like, well, then this has nothing to do with me because I'm not even a follower of Jesus. I'm just checking out this Christianity thing. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to come and participate in this every single week so you can hold people accountable. So I preached this message last night and a guy came up and he goes, I, that dude in the lunchroom, I've got one of those at my work. I got one of those holy show-off guys in my work, drives me crazy every week. And he goes, I listened to what you said, and he goes, this is what I'm going to do. He goes, the next time he does this little holy thing, I'm going to look at him, and I'm going to say, hey, knock it off, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. I'm going to blow his mind. <laughs> you're welcome to listen in. That'd be great. All right. As we walk through the conversation, you're going to hear me use four terms repeatedly. First term, incarnation. That's the ability to live as Jesus lived in a culture that doesn't even know that God loves them and is seeking out a relationship with them. We're going to talk about incarnation. Secondly, we're going to talk about reputation. 
That's the ability to live as Jesus lived in a way that doesn't come across as being a know-it-all, you can't tell me anything, you're going to burn in hell if you don't do what I say kind of jerk, okay? This is a jerk-free zone for the next four or five weeks. Well, hopefully always, all right? (laughs) Thirdly, we're going to use the word confrontation. That's the ability to understand that the goal of this conversation is never to have the person sitting across from you have a confrontation with you. The goal is to have them have a confrontation with God's love. We're going to talk about that. And finally, we're going to use the word transformation. The dream of all of this is to see another human life transformed for eternity and understand that when we participate with God in this kind of a conversation, not only is God going to bring in the possibility that he may change them, the person on the other side of the table, but that he may actually transform us in the process. For this week, we're just going to start with the first two. Let's start with incarnation. Here's my favorite incarnation verse in all of Scripture, John 14, 6. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What does that mean? It means Jesus was God with skin. And sometimes we just need God with skin. And He was living in His mission field, pointing people to the Father. Another favorite incarnational verse, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus lived amongst his mission field and his sole purpose was to point people towards the follower. And here's where we come in. We are followers of Jesus. We're living in his mission field. And our goal is to point people towards the Father. Do you see how similar what Jesus did and what he's asking us to do? You know, the Bible speaks of this so many times, it's impossible to miss God's invitation to partner with Him in this thing called the conversation. Let's look at a simple little, so we have been through the book of Revelation, took three months, probably could have taken three years, but we walked through the whole thing, and sometimes you showed up one week and we covered seven chapters this week, four verses, that's all we're going to cover. Let me read to you a passage about incarnation, Colossians chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. This was written by the the Apostle Paul. It was a master of conversation. This guy could introduce Jesus anytime to anyone, anywhere. I mean, he just had a gift when it came to this kind of conversation. But I find it interesting. At this end of the book of Colossians, this guy, this master missionary is actually asking for prayer on how to have the conversation. That should be a clue for all of us. The Bible actually teaches us this from verse 2. Any conversation about Jesus should start with a conversation with Jesus. So before you ever talk to anybody about Jesus, you should be talking to Jesus and asking Jesus questions. Jesus, do you want me to have this conversation right here, right now? Who do you want me to speak to? What do you want me to say? Can you help me see opportunities that are around me? Can you remind me over and over again that you love the person on the other side of this table way more than I ever could and that you proved it by giving your life on a cross? God, can we have a conversation about the fact that you want me to have a conversation? And then Paul actually makes more prayer requests. I put it under the banner of what am I praying for in your outline. Listen to what Paul is praying for. He's praying for open doors. When was the last time you prayed that? Most of us would have to say, I haven't prayed for an open door in a long time. Then don't complain that God never gives you opportunity. 
The apostle Paul here is saying, I, God, I want you to open a door, and then I need your sensitivity to actually show me when the door is open. This is so unbelievably important. God opens the doors. Why does that matter? Because if God's going to open the door, I don't need to kick it in. If you want a conversation to go really, really wrong sometime, try kicking the door in when God hasn't actually opened it. So Paul prays for open doors. Secondly, he prays for bold proclamation. Okay, this is not a license to go buy a bullhorn, okay? Proclamation does not infer screaming or arguing. In fact, the emphasis here is not necessarily on the word bold as much as it is proclamation. And every time you find the word proclamation in your Bible, it's always tied to the same thing. It's tied to good news. Paul is saying here, I want to take the opportunity when the opportunity presents itself and I don't want to be afraid to speak of the good news of Jesus. And then thirdly, here's another prayer request. He prays for crystal clarity. Paul asks for prayer that when the opportunity arises that he can be clear. And that's a clue for us. The message of Jesus should always be simple and clear. So let's just summarize what Paul has said so far. He's basically saying, here's what I need prayer for. While I'm living in the world, I'm asking God to open doors for spiritual conversations in which I can be bold and not cowardly, simple and not religious. That's incarnation in a nutshell. It's interesting. The Bible continues. It's on a bit of a roll here and starts talking about reputation. Because Colossians chapter 4 continues with these words. This is as practical as it gets. All right? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So every Saturday at 4 o'clock, we actually do a run-through of the service to make sure we've got all of the details in. And I actually preach my message out loud to an empty room, but then I put like three people in here. Randy Borland's here, Todd King's here. Usually Kramer or Ryan's here, and then they give me feedback. Yesterday we went through the run-through, and I like walked off completely defeated. I'm like, God, why isn't this working? This just, it doesn't seem to resonate at all, because I've just been reading these verses. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And then I remembered. God asked me to have a conversation with somebody last week. A person that doesn't know Jesus, it was one of those prompting moments, like I need you to go and talk to that guy in the corner of the coffee shop. And you know what your pastor did? He said, no. I'm like, nope. I'm busy. I've got a meeting. I've got a deadline. I did not practice what I preached. So guess who gets to learn along with everybody else on this one? Because I know you guys are perfect 100% of the time, right? Every time God asks you to do something, you're just like, oh, I'm all over that. Absolutely. You want me to go preach on the street corner? I'm there. I'm ready. I, okay. Can we all admit that at some level we sometimes struggle with this? I struggle with it. This is not natural for me. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, be very careful in the way that you act towards outsiders. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Let me just give you one little thought on when it comes to reputation. Has anybody else noticed that it takes an entire lifetime to build a reputation and about five minutes to ruin one? 
You know what the world needs right now? The world needs people, followers of Jesus, who are actually consistent between walk and talk. When we're not consistent between walk and talk, what's our reputation? Our reputation is that of a hypocrite, isn't it? That's what it is. God says what I need is people who will actually establish a godly reputation and then make the most of every opportunity. There's opportunities everywhere. I mean, wherever there are people, there are opportunities. There's no shortage of opportunity, my friends. There's a huge shortage of people that actually have the courage to go where God has called us to go. What does he say? Make the most of every opportunity. He says, let your conversation always be full of grace. How often? Always. Always full of grace. What does that mean? It means every conversation is an opportunity to model and speak of Jesus. But let's be careful here, okay? Let's have good theology. People get all messed up when they think that somehow i got to slide Jesus in the side door of a conversation. Somehow I've got to set the stage with some little, you know, prepared gimmick that's going to allow somebody to get Jesus. Because Jesus isn't strong enough to show up on his own. So I just got to slide him in the side door. And that's where we have these awkward moments, right? Like you're standing by your car downtown Bellingham, and somebody walks up beside you and says, I see you have a car. <laughs> yeah. I notice your car has four tires. Yeah. Speaking of four, do you know that there's four spiritual laws, and the first one is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? And we're like, what just happened to me? sitting in woods about three weeks ago, minding my own business. It was one of those days when it actually rained in the summertime. Couldn't believe it. And the place was packed because everybody's inside. They don't know what to do. You know, Pacific Northwesterners, right? It stops raining. We freak out. It starts raining again. We freak out and I'll run inside. It's crazy, right? Sitting in the corner and I'm listening to a guy. Just in case, here's the rule of Christ the King. If you talk loud enough for me to overhear you, I reserve the right to use your story in this church. That's how it rolls, okay? <laughs> Just saying. And I'm listening to him, and he's talking with a friend about the fact that he had just lost a friend in a tragic car accident. He's just talking, and he's, you can hear. There's emotion in his voice. It's crackling. He's sitting right beside me. I mean, I, I can't ignore him. And when he finishes, he puts the phone down, and God's like, I'm like, what's that? You know, shoulder twitch. When he put the phone down, just as simple as could be, I just said, I'm really sorry to hear about your friend. He said, we had a young girl in our church just a little while ago died in a tragic rollover. She's only 18 years old. It's really hard on us, really hard on our faith family. And I said, I'm just really sorry that you lost your friend. And it was as natural as could be. Guess what he started? He started talking to me about his friend. That's it. He just started talking to me about his friend. In fact, I never even thought about this conversation again till weeks, week, till this week when I was preparing for this because it was so incidental and so natural. He just started sharing about his friend. And, and God is like doing the tap thing. And it's just, he said, can I pray for you? And I know this will blow your mind. I know this is going to freak you out because this stuff doesn't ever happen. But I said, can I pray for you? This was his crazy, upside down, I don't know where in the world it came from response. He said, sure. 
okay. <laughs> so I prayed that the God of all peace and the God of all comfort would come and help he and his friends as they navigated through the loss of their friend. And then I said, amen. And then you will never guess what happened. You will never guess his response in all of, like if I could just tell you all of the possible responses, you will never guess what came out of his mouth next. He said, thanks. <laughs> he didn't fall on his knees and accept Christ in that moment. He didn't, he didn't bear witness to everybody else in woods and there was a revival that touched the baristas and everybody else. And, and, and he, he said, hey, thanks. You're welcome. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Can I just say this to you? You don't need to bring Jesus into every conversation. Now, don't freak out when I hear that. When I say that out loud, I just want to add something to it, okay? You don't need to bring Jesus into every conversation because if you're a follower of Jesus and Jesus is in you, he's already there. I got an amen from the 11.15. Nobody said anything at 9.30. You guys are more godly. Thank you for being there with me, all right? You're a reflection of Jesus. Jesus is in you. He's there. Here's the problem. Sometimes we forget. Let your conversation, that's what it says. Let your conversation. So what's the, there's an assumption there, right? Don't miss it. God assumes you're going to be having the conversation, let your conversation, some of your translations say, let your speech. God assumes you're going to have people in your life that don't agree with you, don't believe what you believe. That's why it's called a mission field. That's why Whatcom County has close to 200,000 people in this county who don't know Christ as Savior. God assumes we're going to have friendship with them. Always full of grace. Let your conversation always be full of grace. I know it's not rocket science. What does it mean? God instructs that our conversation must always be gracious. I love that God picked that word here. He didn't put argumentative or confrontational or angry or jerkish or frantic. Your conversation is always to be gracious. How often? Always. Always, always gracious. Do you know that you can be truthful and gracious at the same time? You can have both at the same time. Always gracious to those of you that like to send nasty messages on Facebook in the name of Jesus in all caps, you're not being gracious. And I would ask you a question, how's that working for you? To spout off in anger, you're like, I'm, this is going to convince this person that they should follow the Christ that I know. Paul's teaching us a truth here. You create more opportunity with conversation than you do with condemnation. Remember the tie between proclamation and good news? I mean, just, just, just let, let's just have an honest moment. Does this sound like good news? Oh, let me give you an example. Does this sound like good news? You're a sinner. Repent. Get on your knees. Come to Jesus now or you're going to go to hell where all the sinners go. Does that sound like good news to you? I'm just, you guys are like, what? Yeah. You know, you can say the same thing graciously. Because I have a message for you. Christ the King, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. And sinners need saviors. 
And the cool thing is Jesus is a Savior who came to forgive sin and to restore broken hearts and lives and marriages and relationships. And if he can forgive me, he can forgive anybody. Same message, different method. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Oh, underline that part of it. Our conversation should be seasoned with salt because some of us think that, oh, I get it. I know what my job is. My job is to get a 50-pound bag of salt and I need to walk out in the world and assault people, right? If I have a conversation over the lunch table, my job is to sit there and just like salt, 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 salt. And people are getting in their eyes and they're just like, what are you doing to me? Do you notice what your Bible says? Seasoned with salt. I, I put it this way, it's a sprinkling of truth that enhances the flavor of grace. We are not supposed to assault people with our conversation. Some of you need to hear that. Stop assaulting people on Facebook. It's wrong. It's wrong. What does it say next? So that you may have an answer for everybody. I love how practical this is. You know, an answer implies that a question's been asked. And in order to hear the question, you have to do something. You have to listen. You know what I know about most of you? You're good listeners. If you weren't, I wouldn't be up here talking. <laughs> Not obvious, right? Could it be that when it comes to the conversation, that we need to do the right kind of math? He gave you one mouth... And two ears, that's a clue. Right? Could it be that some of the best things we could do when it comes to having the conversation is listening? I'm always listening when people say things like, I'm in pain, or I'm new, or I don't know what to do, or here's another one, I need because if they have a need and I can meet it, guess what? I get to be Jesus for them. We're going to talk a lot about that in the coming weeks. Some of us read that last little piece and it freaks us out. Ray, be ready to have an answer for everyone. And we're just like, oh, that's my problem right there. I don't have enough answers. Can I say this to you? You don't need all the answers. You just need to be willing to find them. I mean, all through Revelation, people kept commenting about, as we walked through the book, how refreshing it was to have the pastors that had the honor of preaching Revelation every once in a while stop and say, you know what, I don't know. I don't know exactly when the rapture is going to take place. I don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back. I don't know whether or not premillennial or millennial or amillennial is the perfect biblical position. I don't know. Do you know that when somebody asks you a question about Jesus and you're honest enough to say, I don't know, you know what that does? It's not an admission of ignorance. It's actually you embracing your humanity. Because it's okay to not know. You just got to go find out. We all know how it feels to deal with a know-it-all, don't we? It's not fun. So we don't need to be that person. So we hear this, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may be ready to pre and be prepared with an answer for everybody. We hear that, and I can just see it in the body language of people. They're just like, yeah, not me. I'm out. So I listed the major barriers that keep us from having the conversation. I call them barriers because, let's be honest, they're, they're really excuses. But the reason I know these so well is because I've said every single one of them. 
that may surprise you, but I have doors open every day. And sometimes my response is no. Sometimes my response is no thanks. Sometimes my response is pass. Sometimes my response is the ever mature, you can't make me. <laughs> I've said all these ones. I've said, I'm not wired that way. Believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. I know that shocks some people. But I'm actually, I mean, I, you've given me a choice between talking and not talking. When we're just kind of hanging out with people, I'll probably choose not to talk. And so there are times when I've said, God, I don't need to do that kind of stuff because I'm not wired that way. And actually, you wired me this way, so it's your fault if I don't talk. <laughs> you know what I'm really saying when I say I'm just not wired that way? What I'm really saying is I think God gave me a mistake making me wired this way and that he gave me a mission that's actually impossible. Does that sound like God to you? That he would give you a mission that you had no chance of actually being successful at? I've said this, I'm afraid I won't have the right answer. My excuse goes like this, I'm not an apologetics person, I get stuck when people ask me hard questions. I stammer and I stutter. As soon as I wrote that on my notes, I thought, oh, great, that means I'm just like Moses. He had a problem with stuttering and stammering. When I say that, I'm afraid I won't have the right answers. What I'm really saying is, I don't think that the Holy Spirit of God is strong enough to give me the answers I need when I need them. But have you ever had one of those moments when you're talking with somebody and God all of a sudden takes over your brain and your tongue and stuff starts coming out of you and you're, you finish the conversation, you're like, where in the world did that come from? <laughs> Could it be God? Here's another one. I'm afraid of being rejected. People may make fun of me. They may reject me. When I say that, what I'm really saying is that it's okay for the Bible to describe Jesus as a man who was despised and rejected of men. That's okay for the king of the universe. I just don't want that to affect me. Have you ever thought that the reason that you're a believer is because somebody else actually opened their mouth and took the risk of you rejecting them? And that's the reason why you're actually here? Here's another one that I say fairly regularly. I really don't care. What I'm saying when I say that is, <laughs> I really don't care. And when I find myself saying that, I feel like God asked me a question. Grant, aren't you glad Jesus didn't take the same attitude when it came to you? How about this last one? Another excuse. I don't have a faith worth giving away. I think that one's huge because we look at our lives and honestly, we compare and contrast with other people around us and we think to ourselves, honestly, my life seems as messed up as anybody else's, so why in the world would I try to share something that's supposedly an answer when it doesn't really look like an answer in my own world? What I'm really saying is, God, I don't want to give what I don't have. Well, could it be that this series is actually not just about you participating in the transformation of somebody else. Could it be that as we walk through these conversations that maybe they're not the only one that's going to get transformed? Could it be that maybe God wants to transform us? Yeah. You just bumped into the goal of the series. The goal of the series is to replace pressure with purpose. So that we will engage in the art of the conversation. 
I'm not talking about pressuring the person into receiving Christ. The question is this. It's not about their response. That's not the important outcome here. The response, or the, the, actually the most important outcome is whether or not we'll be obedient to what God's called us to do. And God most certainly, you're going to learn this over the next couple of weeks, God has called us to engage in the conversation. Just doing your little part. Did my friend Ed Woods fall on his face and accept Christ in that moment? No. Did I try to be obedient? Yeah. Messed it up a few weeks later, but tried to get that one right. Could it be that this is just about being faithful and sowing the seeds where God has called us to and leaving all of the results to Him? As I get ready to wrap up and finish up. So I'm jealous of one of our pastors here at Christ the King because he does this better than anyone I've ever met before. And I don't want to embarrass him, but his initials are Derek Archer. So um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, Derek and I were up at Red Square Fair getting ready for a year of college ministry. And I just dropped in. And, and in God's sovereignty, as the students were coming back to Western, I'm so excited to have, you know, the Wacom students and the Western students and Northwest Indian College, Bellingham Technical College, Charter. It's just great. In a couple of weeks, they're all going to come flooding back in here. It's always exciting when we have the students come home. But they're up there doing an introduction piece, and in God's sovereignty, they put the Christ the King table right next door to another table that represented a faith group that I would not consider to be Christian. They don't believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. They don't believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. But in God's sovereignty, he put us side by side. And I watched Derek. Everybody else kind of like looked over around the corner of their booth and like, oh, oh. Derek showed up and he looked around the corner and saw which group was there and he started smiling because Derek actually was raised in that faith context. So he just kind of hung around. He started looking at the stuff on the booth and they started talking to him. And I, for the first little bit, I thought, D Derek, Archer, you have lost your mind because he started actually complimenting me. He says, you know what I love about you guys? He goes, I love your TV commercials. That's a clue, okay? Um, <laughs> I love your TV commercials. I love the fact that you guys think family is really, really important. I love the fact that you guys are so unbelievably devoted to the mission of what it is that you think God's got. I mean, he just, he's complimenting, complimenting. I'm just standing back going, what in the world are you doing? And then I realize what he's doing. He's just having a conversation. Then they started asking him questions. And Derek started asking them questions back. Then they started pulling out their version of the Bible. And then I saw Derek pull out his version of the Bible. And then I saw these conversations. And they're just like, you know, it says this here. It says that Derek's like, that's absolutely true. But it also says this here. Can you line those two up for me? And all of a sudden, I'm watching the three people at the table and Derek walk over to this tree. And they sit down underneath of this tree. And for the next couple of hours, there's a conversation going on. And I'm sitting back watching because Derek is being kind and gracious. And the more the conversation goes, the bigger his smile gets. It's like his smile wrapped around his head three times. And, <laughs> and, and he's just... He's just letting Jesus be Jesus because Jesus is in Derek. And all of a sudden... In that beautiful supernatural way, God had skin on and he was kind and gracious. And the conversation, and did those three people come to Christ in that moment? 
Not that I know of. But Derek was obedient. The conversation was beautiful. And those three young people <laughs> walked away that day with a lot of questions running through their mind. Could it be that God could do that in and through all of us? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Welcome to a series that I call The Conversation. And I'm out of time, so this conversation is over. <laughs> God bless you. Have an awesome week, and I'll see you here one week from today.